0: Your Bibles. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 37, Psalm 37, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 5. Psalm 37 verses 1 through 5, and this is a verse I think that everyone has heard at one point or another, but I don't think people have really gotten the gist as to what is is going on. And I'm just going to forewarn you that this message, you may not get all of it in the first go. You might have to go back and listen to it again to, to catch everything that... I believe the Lord wants you to hear, but I believe that the Lord has has a distinct message that He wants to give this this house today. And what's very interesting is I see the Lord working because this is going to be kind of like a continuation of Assistant Pastor Nick's message. If you didn't listen to it about desiring greater things, I strongly urge you to go back and listen to that message. It was an excellent message, and it was the word of the Lord for the house. And that I, this is going to be kind of a continuation of that thought. I'm going to be going a different direction. Uh, But this is kind of a a continuation of of that thought. And the Lord has just kind of orchestrated it that way. If you have Psalm 37 verse 1 say amen. Psalm Psalm 37 verse 1 says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. And do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I want to read verse number 4 again, because from there I'll primarily be taking my thought. Which simply says, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Today I want to preach to a message simply entitled, I would be delighted. I would be delighted. Look at your neighbor, just give him a big smile to say, I would be delighted. And I believe by the help of God. Oh, I would, I would be delighted. That's just such a, a pleasant phrase to say. And it's typically given after you've been invited to go participate in something or to receive something. I would be delighted. Well, well, I hope that you keep that same uh, uh, cheer at the end of the message about being delighted. That I would truly be delighted. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. And I'll just tell you right off the bat that the, the main objective of this message is for God to really deal with our hearts. I mean, to really, really get into our hearts and for us to see his heart to see his desire, to see his passion for the people of God. Let us pray today. Father, we right now, I I just commend this message into your capable hands. We, I put the outcome of this in your hands. I can do nothing but through you, Lord Jesus, all things are possible. And I pray in the name of Jesus, shake us to our core, convict us, mold us, shape us to be more like you. Make us in your image. Give us your heart, O God. Let us pray even as you prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. God be glorified in this house. We bless you and we worship you in In Jesus name, let the church living God say amen. amen. You may be seated. So I'm going to talk about the difference between your needs and your wants. Your needs and your wants. And oftentimes we conflate and we confuse those two things. And let me just start off with just some definitions as to what I mean here. That the word need is defined in the dictionary as a requirement, a lack of something, wanted or deemed necessary. While a want is a desire, a wish, a craving, or a demand. That a need is necessary while a want is not necessary. And the fact of the matter is that these two forces, our needs and our wants, are often in conflict with one another. And now to really illustrate this conflict between our needs and our wants, I want to examine two parts of the human body to demonstrate this principle. The one is your mouth versus your stomach, your mouth versus your stomach. At my house, it's dinner time. My wife has slaved over a hot stove for hours preparing a meal and she serves it to my children who are hungry, but they won't eat eat it because it's not what they wanted then about a half hour to an hour later they will come to me and say daddy i'm hungry when my wife has prepared a meal and they have not touched it and now they want cookies and they want oreos and nutter butters and they want they want ice cream and they want my wife to make dessert and make brownies Now, here's the thing, folks, they're hungry, but they're refusing to meet a need because it does not match a desire because of the struggle between the stomach and the tongue. So the thing is this, your stomach has a limit to it. It has a limit to what it can store and it doesn't care if something tastes bad or not. It only cares if it's full and it's no longer hungry. Your stomach does not care if it tasted great, if it was a hot fudge sundae, or if it was raw sushi, unless it made you sick. But other than that, it doesn't really care. It just cares, is am I I full? Am I no longer hungry? Your tongue, however, is the complete opposite. It has no storage capacity. It stores nothing, making it limitless. It doesn't care how full or empty the stomach is, but only if it tastes good or not. Its only concern is pleasure. For example... If you go to Golden Corral, you've had five plates, five helpings. You are so full that if you bend over, the compression of your stomach would make you vomit on the floor. You can barely breathe. You're so full. But then you get up from the table wheezing and limping and saying, you know what? I need dessert. That ice cream over there is looking pretty tasty to me. Your body has no longer any capacity to hold any more food, but you will cram and fill yourself with more food, not because you're hungry, but because it tastes good. Your tongue doesn't care how full your stomach is. Your stomach doesn't care how good it tastes. And these two things are constantly conflicting with each other. Or haven't many of you done this? You've gone to a fast food restaurant, right? You've gone to, let's say, McDonald's, and you didn't check the meat, check the order after you got it, and then you got all the way home, and it's not what you ordered. Right. I ordered a Big Mac and they gave me like an apple turnover and a a, a melted ice cream sundae or something. And the thing is, you're hungry and you don't want this. I did not order this, but because it's there and your hunger is there, you'll eat it anyway. There's a conflict. Sometimes the hunger wins out and sometimes the desire wins out. And these two things, they're constantly fighting with each other. Do I operate based upon what I need, which is sustenance, which is nutrients to make my body survive or to help my body to survive, or to operate by my desire, what feels good, what whets my appetites, what tastes good. And these two things are constantly in conflict with each other. Now, this conflict between our needs and our wants, I think, is best illustrated in the story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. And I want to give some context here. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 29, verse 16. In the story, the narrative of Jacob, that Jacob was a twin. He had a twin brother by the name of Esau. And the Bible says that Jacob, he tricked uh, Esau out of his birthright and he deceived his father to get his blessing. And because of this, Esau was livid. He was angry and he wanted to kill Jacob. Jacob then ran away from his father's house and went to his uncle's house. The the, uh, brother of his mother, Rebekah, His uncle was named Laban. And he comes to the house. And when he comes to the house, he meets a woman by the name of Rachel. And the Bible tells us here in this text regarding Rachel and, uh, and regarding her appearance. But also that Laban had a second daughter by the name of Leah. Now look at this very closely. Genesis chapter 29 verse 16 says, And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah... Was tender eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So Jacob loved Rachel, but he did not love Leah. And the, the reason why we are given in the scripture is said in verse number 17, in that Leah was tender eyed. But Rachel was beautiful and well favored. That Rachel was attractive. She was fine. She had it all in a bag of chips. She was attractive. Leah was tender-eyed. Some say some people have said that she was cross-eyed or that she was cock-eyed, or, but but actually biblical scholars believe that her eye color was dim. And that because she lived in the harsh environment of of the sands and the wilderness and so on and, and being in this, being, uh, living a nomadic life, that her eyes were not brilliant in color like her younger sister's was. And because of that, she did not appeal to Jacob's appetites. Now we're going to dive a bit deeper. Into this whole tenderized thing later. Keep that in mind. It's a pretty big detail. As to really understanding the dynamic. That is between Rachel and Leah. So the thing, fact of the matter is. Rachel appealed to Jacob's desires. And Jacob so desired her. That he was willing to put in the work. To obtain her. And obtain her hand in marriage. And the thing is. He did not love Leah. However, Laban decided to uh, deceive Jacob and tricked him into marrying Leah instead. This is the, the, the classic McDonald's example, right? I ordered the Big Mac, but I got a fish sandwich. And i am taken a bite out of this thing, and it's not what I ordered. And because it's not what I ordered, I'm upset about the situation. And so now after discussing the matter, Laban allowed Jacob to marry Rachel if he served him for another seven years. Now, look what the Bible says here in Genesis 29, same chapter, verse number 30. Genesis 29, verse number 30. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. Now, to give us an understanding of how Jacob felt about Leah versus how he felt about Rachel is that he hated Leah in comparison to his affection towards Rachel. Leah was rejected. She was the rejected, unwanted, and hated spouse of Jacob. Well, Rachel was the one that he desired. Look, it says here in Genesis 29, verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So although Leah was rejected, unwanted, and hated by Jacob, she was, however, desired by God. Because God looked on her, and when God saw that Leah was hated, was unwanted, was rejected, he opened up her womb and allowed her to give forth children. But Rachel, on the other hand, who was desired, who was wanted, and who was sought after, she was barren. Now, to fulfill the prophetic mandate on his life, Jacob needed an heir. He needed an heir. It was prophesied that Abraham would be a father of many nations and that he would establish this nation through Israel, through his generations. And the fact of the matter is that the one that that Jacob desired could not do this because she was barren. But the one he didn't desire could do this. So here's the thing. Rachel is barren and cannot meet this need The needs that Jacob has for an heir. So Leah gets in her mind and believes that by fulfilling the need for an heir, she'll become what Jacob desires. And a lot of ladies do this all the time, right? If I sleep with him and if I hook up with him, maybe he'll marry me. If I give him what he really wants, maybe I'll be the thing that he truly desires and be with me. When in fact of the matter is, no matter what Leah would do, You ain't what I ordered, so I don't really want you. Even though you had the capacity to fulfill what I actually need and I require. Genesis 29, verse 32. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Look what she says here. Now therefore my husband will love me. Why? Because I'm fulfilling a need. I'm fulfilling a need for him to have children, to pass on his legacy. Children were also a bit of an insurance policy that when you got old, they could take care of you. They could take on the family business, carry on your legacy. I am fulfilling a prophetic need. And because I'm doing this, maybe my husband will love me. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. The Lord heard I was rejected. The Lord heard I was unwanted. I was unacceptable. He hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Now the thing is, no matter how many kids Leah gives Jacob, no matter how hard she tries, Jacob doesn't want her. No matter how many needs she tries to fulfill because she doesn't taste the way that he wants her to taste. She does not meet the criteria of what he ordered. He is going to reject her even though she can meet his needs. Even though she can fulfill this desire, this, this, I should say, fulfill this need, he continues to reject her. Look at verse 34 now. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. Now, I want you to understand something here that Rachel, the woman that Jacob desired, was barren. There was nothing fruitful that was coming from there. Rachel was idolatrous. Whenever they left Laban, she stole her father's images, and her, his, her, his idols, and wanted to keep it for herself. She was an idol worshiper. And thirdly, she died prematurely as they were going to go see Isaac, uh, which is Jacob's family, which means she didn't live very long. Let me tell you something, that you got to be careful with your desires because they will leave you bankrupt and barren. They will lead you to idolatry, and they will die prematurely leaving you with a hangover and leaving wondering what in the world did I do with my life but she was beautiful and she was well favored she's what I ordered she's what I desired have you ever ordered a meal and then regretted eating it it looked good on the menu it looked good it, it looked really good in the picture but when I got it the lettuce looked all moldy and was things were falling apart off the sandwich it's not what I wanted it left me with a stomachache after I ate it Rachel was the woman that Jacob desired barren idolatrous and died prematurely Leah the woman that Jacob hated however produced half the tribes of Israel she produced the Levitical priesthood she also produced the law and the prophets out of Leah came Moses. Out of Leah came Boaz. Out of Leah came King David. Out of Leah came King Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah. Out of Leah came the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Samuel. All of that was inside of Leah, the thing that Jacob didn't want. But it was the thing that he needed many times are we rejecting the things that we need, the things that will be fruitful, the things that, that will help us get out of the situation but just because it doesn't taste the way we like it? It doesn't fit the criteria that I have for how I think a Christian should be, how my life should be. And God is trying to give you Leah, but you are rejecting Leah and going after Rachel because it tastes good. It feels good. It meets my desires. The question we need to ask ourselves is this. What made Leah so special that God would choose her over Rachel, who was beautiful and well-favored? What would cause him to choose her? Now, I want to go back now to verse number 17 of Genesis 29. Genesis 29, 17. Remember, I, I was talking about this tender-eyed thing. I wanna, let's break this down a little bit. Genesis 29, verse 17. Leah was tender-eyed. The Hebrew there for tender-eyed is rak-ayin. Rak means tender, soft, faint-hearted, one weak, weak weak of heart, timid, soft in words, and delicate of flesh. That she was delicate, she was soft, and she was tender Now, to really get an understanding of what's going on in this passage, turn with me now to Deuteronomy 28, verse 56. Soft, delicate. She was tender. She was shapeable. She was moldable. Now, Deuteronomy 28, these are the curses of the law. And God is saying, if you don't follow my words, these curses are going to fall on you. And in this particular lineage of this passage, he talks about that if the children of Israel do not obey him, that he's going to remove his hand and enemies are going to come and lay siege to their cities to where they're going to be starving. Starving to such a degree that they're going to want to eat their own children. That's what you're seeing here. Now, because of the siege, because we're starving and things are so harsh. Look what it says here about the wife, the wives of Israel. Deuteronomy 20 verse 56 The tender is the same word that's used to describe Leah rock in the Hebrew, the tender and the delicate woman among you, which should not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness. Her eye notice this tenderness, her eyes shall be evil toward the husband of her bosom and toward her son and toward her daughter. The word tenderness, when we're reading this passage, we read like uh, Genesis chapter 29, where it talks about Leah was tender-eyed. We tend to think that it's talking about her physical appearance, but actually it's talking more so about her character. We think it's her appearance because it's comparing Rachel's beauty and being well-favored. But in fact, it's actually referring to her character. Leah's character was, was tender, delicate, and soft towards Jacob. In other words, she was eager to become the kind of wife that could be shaped by Jacob's desires. Whatever you want, Jacob, I will become to help so that you can be pleased. Whatever you want, Jacob, just, I just love me, accept me, receive me. She was tender and she was delicate and she was moldable and she was shapeable. This is why throughout their marriage, she was constantly trying to win Jacob's love and affection. She was humble and meek while Rachel was everything that Leah wasn't. Rachel was a bit prideful and a bit presumptuous and cared about winning the war and winning Jacob and just being the the object of desire to be tender eyed was to be pliable, was to be shapeable. She was eager to please, eager to meet the needs of the one that she loved. Now, with that background, we're going to take a look at Psalm 37. Now, the writer of Psalm 37 is King David. Who is his ancestor? Leah. King David is a descendant of Leah. Now, look at this. He was constantly being persecuted by the previous king whose name was Saul. Saul comes from the tribe of Benjamin, and Benjamin was the son of Rachel. So even to hundreds of years afterwards, there is a conflict going on between what we need and what we desire. I'm going somewhere with this. Now look at this. Like his ancestor, Leah, David was not the king that everyone wanted. When Samuel came to anoint him to be king, Jesse didn't even consider him in the lineup. He was undesirable. Why? Because he came from Leah. But David was tender in heart. Saul became king because the Israelites rejected God as their king. And just like his ancestor Rachel, Saul became king because of the people's desires to be like the other nations. Saul was a king that was born out of desire. We want a king. We don't want you, God. We reject you as our king. We want a human king, and we want to be like the other nations. He came out of desire because his ancestry came from Rachel. Now, just like his ancestor, Rachel, died after committing idolatry by stealing the idols from her father, Saul and his kingdom died after he committed idolatry by disobeying the Lord, and this caused God to reject him. Now, look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15 verse 22. Saul has been commanded to go kill the Amalekites and to wipe everything out. Don't take any sheep, take no oxen, take no gold, take nothing. And instead of doing that, he brings back the best sheep. He lives the king of the Amalekites alive and thinks he's done God a favor. First Samuel 15, And Samuel said, have the Lord as great delight. In burnt offerings, in sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. When Rachel committed idolatry, she died in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin. And Benjamin is the father of Saul in the the line of descendancy. And when Saul, he committed idolatry by being stubborn, not listening to God, his kingdom was removed from him and he died in battle in the Philistines. Because there was a war between what I need and what I desire. Now look at this. When David fled for his life, Saul tried to find him and killed all the priests. The priests were Levites and Levites are descendants of Leah. The needs was being killed by the desires. Saul, who represented Rachel, killed off all the priests. And we got to be careful. If we don't get our desires under control, it will kill the priests in us and the king that's inside of us. You've got to get your desires under control. So there was a war between the king that man desired and the king that God desired. And men needed. This is why David was called a man after God's own heart. He was the man that God desired. He was not the king that the people desired. But he was the king that the people needed. Now look at our main text here. This is David writing now. He is a descendant of Leah. He is a descendant of the rejected. He is a descendant of the unwanted, the deplorables, the untouchables. Psalm 37 verse 1 fret not thyself because of evildoers neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb Saul is coming after me he is an evildoer but I'm not going to get discouraged because as I know all desires they eventually fade and the need is going to is going to beat the desire he says here in verse number three trust in the Lord and do good so shall thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The Hebrew word there for delight is anag. It's the same Hebrew word that's used in Deuteronomy twenty-eight fifty-six, 56, which talks about the delicate and the tender eyed woman. It has tender, which is rock, which is what is used to describe Leah. And then it says delicate, anag, meaning that they're synonyms. So, the, in other words, David is saying that we need to be tender like Leah. Whenever we read this verse, we often think that if I find pleasure in God, that God will give me whatever I want. But the word anag does not mean that. Anag means delight, delicate, to be soft, to be made pliable. In other words, if I make myself pliable to God, he will not give me the desires of my heart, but he will give me the things to desire. If I allow God to change my heart, he will change what I desire. Instead of desiring the world, I'm going to desire him. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple he is saying that we've got to be pliable so god is looking at us right now as a church body and he said i would be delighted to give you what you want i'd be delighted to bless you i'd be delighted to save you to love you but you cannot experience my delight until you make yourself pliable till you become tender-eyed until your desires are my desires but God, I don't want this. I don't want this. doesn't taste good. This isolation doesn't taste good. This rejection doesn't taste good because nobody wants a Leah. That's why Jesus said, you'll be hated for my name's sake. Nobody wants a Leah. Nobody wants to be a Christian. Nobody wants to be plain. Nobody wants to be holy. Nobody wants to be righteous and have to reject the things and the lusts of the world because it's undesirable. But it's what you need to get to heaven. Will you make yourself pliable? Will you allow me to delight? God is saying, I would be delighted. I withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly. I would be delighted. But the fact of the matter is that we are so stubborn. We are so disobedient. We're so suchy much. We're like Rachel. We think we're beautiful and we're well favored. And I don't have to change anything in order to get what I want And we operate more by our desires, our human carnal desires, instead of what God needs us to do in our spirit and in our soul. When you allow God to make you pliable, when he delights in you and changes your desire, he will birth inside of you a priesthood and he will birth inside of you a, ro- a royalty, a royal line of kings. 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The reason why you're unsatisfied and you're unhappy because you will not let God God mold you. You will not let God shape you. You will not delight yourself in God. I want to close with this last thought. There's one descendant of Leah that I have not talked about. And his name is Jesus. Now think about that for a minute. Jacob was rejecting the source of the Messiah. He hated the source from where the Messiah would come. Now, go back with me to Genesis chapter 29. And look again at verse number 17. Genesis uh, 29 verse 17. Leah was tenderized. We talked about being tender. But Rachel was beautiful and well favored. Let me talk about Rachel just for a minute. She was beautiful and well favored. The word for beautiful in the Hebrew is tarar. It means form, goodly, beautiful, favored, comely, countenance. The word favored in the Hebrew, in Genesis 29, 17, is mare, which means sight, countenance, vision, favored, good to look upon, fair. Now, turn with me to Isaiah 53, verse 2. I want you to see this. Isaiah 53, verse 2. Remember, Rachel was tender-eyed. And Jesus came from the line of the tribe of Judah. She came from Leah. He came from Leah. Look what it says describing Jesus in Isaiah 53. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he hath no tarar, no form, nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no mare, no beauty that we should desire him. When Jesus came, he again, because he came from Leah, he didn't taste the way that the Jews thought. They thought they're looking for a political figure, a conqueror who would uproot the oppression of the Romans. They're looking for some majestic, uh, royal figure, someone who has power to overthrow the political tyranny that was coming. But instead, the king of kings came in the form of a baby. And when we saw this Messiah, he was not beautiful. My former pastor back in, in Michigan he used to say that Jesus was ugly. It says he had no beauty. No comeliness. When you saw him you didn't desire anything from him. We always try to make Jesus look all buff and sexy and attractive. Some some tall, long haired, blonde haired uh, uh, hippie with blue eyes and high cheekbones. Jesus was not a good looking guy. It says there was no beauty. There was, now here's the thing I want you to understand. Everything that Rachel was, Jesus wasn't. Oh, I could go so much deeper with this, but I'm going to leave it alone. Ooh, I could go so much deeper with it. I'm leaving leave alone. <laughs> but anyway, it says that Jesus was not desired. When you saw him, you didn't want him. This is the king of Israel? Now, you can take that back. That's not what I ordered. I didn't order some some dude, some, some lowlife from Nazareth. Born in a stable. We don't even know who his daddy is. We're not born of fornication, the Jews said. And they rejected the one who could save them from their sins. And they hated him. Now, look what it says in verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not because we would not delight ourselves in a savior born in a stable. We would not delight in a savior who did not come to deliver us from the political tyranny, but he came to save us from our sins. We want things to change, but we don't want to change. Change the political landscape, Jesus, but don't change me. I'm good. I don't, I don't want you to change me. I'm set. I'm straight. I got this. I don't want you to change my heart. We just want you to get rid of the Romans, Jesus. Not deal with my sin. They're the problem, not me, Jesus. Jesus. They're the reason I'm in this situation. They're the, they're the source of all my ills and all my troubles. And the fact is, Jesus didn't want it either. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. God is saying, I would be delighted if you would make yourself delightful. I would be delighted if you would finally stop fighting me and resisting me like hardened clay. That the potter has in his hands. That he's trying to shape. I have a destiny for you. I'm trying to birth a priesthood inside of you. There's a king inside of you. And I know that you think that you're all that. You don't need this Jesus I'm talking about. But you do. You're desiring something that, uh, that placates your flesh. You're desiring things that caters to your, your desires. To your lusts. And to the things that feel good. But they aren't good. I'm preaching myself. Those chocolate chip cookies they taste good. But they ain't good. Those triple whoppers I like to eat, they're good. They taste good. But they ain't good. The things that are actually the most nutritious that your body needs are the things that don't always taste the best. The best. And because you will not kill your will and submit yourself to God, you're going to say, I'm hungry. When Jesus has a table spread and as the hymn says, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You can feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude and turned the water into wine. To the hungry he call it now, come and die. But no, I ain't going to eat that. No, 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 no. That's not what I ordered. I don't, I don't want that, Jesus. I don't want to have to confess my sins. I don't want to change my life. I don't want to have to take up my cross and follow you. That's not attractive. I don't want to be a weirdo and an outcast and have people hating on me and talking about me. I don't have to waste my time coming to church when I could be sleeping in right now or watching the game at home. Why? Because church doesn't appeal to me, doesn't that's not what I desired. It's not what I want, but it's what you need. Are you going to become tender eyed? Or are you going to become like Rachel? Beautiful, well favoured, cosmopolitan, got the right shoes on, the right outfit. Right? But idolatrous, barren, bereft of producing anything really good. And short-lived. Anything that is birthed out of the lust of the flesh will not satisfy, and will die prematurely. But when you meet the needs, of, when you come to Jesus, Jesus said actually, Jesus said in John 6, 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall not, not hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. David said in Psalm 34, verse 8, he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But you won't even try because it doesn't look right. Uh-oh. See, it doesn't look the way you want it to look, so you ain't even going to try it. Let's see. I got to quit. I could, I could go deeper into this, but I'll leave it alone. Unless you want me to. Okay. You asked for it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse number 9. Get Genesis chapter 2 verse 9 on there. Ooh, this is good. Genesis 2 verse 9. Now this is the story of creation. It says this. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant To the sight. And good for food. Highlight those two phrases. Pleasant for sight. And good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the word for pleasant in Genesis chapter 2 verse 9 is the word chachmad. It's the same word that's used in Isaiah 53, 2, It says where when we shall see him, no one will desire him. It's the same word about desire. Now, the word kachmad, it means desire, covet, delight, pleasant, beauty, lust to take pleasure in. Now, turn with me to verse 16. Look at verse 16. In the Garden of Eden, our needs and our desires were in alignment. In the Garden of Eden, what you desired was the same as what you needed because everything you saw was good. And everything God produced was something that you needed. So there was an alignment between what you desired and what you needed. But what happened is, when sin is introduced, there's a schism between your needs and your desires. Now look at this, Genesis 2.16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now we just read in verse number nine that God had produced everything that was two things, pleasant to the eyes and good for food. Now, look at verse, uh, Genesis chapter three. Go to Genesis chapter three. When Satan persuaded Eve to eat from the tree the knots of good and evil, he did so by convincing her to believe two things. Number one, he convinced her to see the forbidden tree to be the same as the others. Look at this very closely. Genesis 3, 4. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman... Now look at this. And when the woman saw that the tree was what? Good for food. What did God say about the trees in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, but all the other trees that they were? He said that they were good for food. When she looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she saw it as being good for food. But the thing is, Something that kills you isn't good for food. But she saw it as being good for food. Now look at this. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. What did the Genesis 2.9 say? That God had made every tree in the garden to be good for food. And pleasant to the eyes. To the sight. And a tree to be hachmad. To be desired. The same word that used to describe Jesus in Isaiah 53, that no one would desire him. So what Satan does is, what he does is he makes the things that you look at that you don't need and convince you it's something that you need. And that it's good for you. Because she now saw the tree that could kill her, that would kill her, as something that's as nutritious as all the other trees that God had given me. And what what the devil does is he starts to say, hey, you need this. When you don't need this, you just want this. You ever been to a store and you're trying to buy something and the salesperson keeps upselling you? Oh, you need to get the deluxe package. No, bro, I'm just trying to get the the the, the minimum, you know, the basic pack. No, 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 you need, need to go platinum. You need to go platinum. See, you need this, right? This will make your life so much better if you get the platinum package, if you just upgrade up to this. And so Satan got Eve to see the tree to be good for food, even though the tree was going to kill her. And what the devil does with us is that he uses our desires to make things that are bad for us look good to us. Everything that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, Jesus wasn't. Because no one, hachma him. No one, when we saw him, we didn't desire him. He's the complete opposite of what you want. But he's absolutely what you need. Which tree are you going to eat from? Because here's the thing, folks. If you read in Genesis 2.9, it said the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life were by each other. They were both in the midst of the garden. She chose, she's tree of life is here. Tree of knowledge of good and evil is here. And she began to see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The same as the tree of life and any other tree is being good for food. There are two trees that are here. You can eat from the tree that brings you pleasure. Or you can eat from this tree. Because it's at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart, they rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight. And now I am happy because God has changed my desires. We better quit. Y'all stand. you all make me preach. Little. Get on up here. God is saying, I would be delighted to bless you. I would be delighted to save you. But you've got to become tender in my heart, in my hands. You've got to become pliable. I know I'm not what you want. God gets rejected every day. Every day someone is using his name as an expletive, as a curse word. Every day someone's throwing a finger at God and saying saying a curse word to God. Every day we sin and we do everything to distance ourselves and try to get ourselves away from God. But yet even though how many times we've rejected God, how many times we've failed God, we've sinned against God. He keeps coming after us and keeps loving us and keeps forgiving us and saying I will love you if you would let me, if you would delight yourself in me. Will you delight yourself in the Lord? Will you be delighted? Will you be delighted and allow God to change this stubborn, hardened heart? There's a whole other part of this message I can't even preach because it's too much. It'll be a part two. But the fact of the matter is that the reason why that we are unsatisfied with the things that we are designed because they're Rachel's. It's all icing and no filling in the cake if all you did was eat the icing it's sweet, it's great but it doesn't fill you here's the fact the matter is some of you are full you're full but you're hungry you're full of pain you're full of unforgiveness you're full of traumas and these things do not have the nutrients to sustain you anymore but Jesus said I'm the bread of life And if you come to me, you'll never hunger anymore because I've got what you need. When the children of Israel saw the manna, they said, what is it? What is this thing? I don't want to eat this stuff. And they started complaining in the wilderness because it wasn't what they wanted. But it was the manna that kept them alive for 40 years in the wilderness. When the Jews saw the bread of life, the true manna that came from heaven, they said, what is this? And they rejected him, even though he would keep them alive for not just forty years, but for all eternity. Offer you this opportunity. Will you let God be delighted in you? Will you let? Will you make yourself delightable? Will you delight yourself in the Lord and become pliable, become delicate, become soft? Will you allow Him? Will you become conformed to the image? Of his dear son, as it says in Romans 8:30. Are you gonna to continue to resist and keep clinging to Rachel? Keep pursuing Rachel. Rachel may be a dream, Rachel may be a, a, a lost opportunity, Rachel might be a career that you didn't you couldn't quite get started. Rachel might be that fine girl, that fine boy that you think is gonna finally give you completion and give you satisfaction. Rachel might be a drug. It might be that, that good night's rest that you've been seeking after. But you will never truly get it because you will not allow God to program you to receive it. You're not in a position to receive that which you need until you finally stop fighting God and delight thyself also in the Lord. These altars are open. Let God mold you. Now, typically when we come to the altar, we come to the altar with our own petitions. God, I want this. God, give me this. God, heal me. God, do this for me. But come to this altar not asking God to do something for you. But asking, you're asking, can I do something for you, God? Can I be what you want me to be? And when I make myself available, I know, God, you're going to fix whatever's wrong with me. God has to let me... You have to delight yourself in the Lord so that now that your needs and your desires become the same, instead of them fighting against each other, when your desire is Jesus, you can have as much as you want. You can have as much as you want, and you won't get fat either. You won't have to go work it out. When you eat, When you consume and you take part of Jesus you'll find what you need these altars are open I would be delighted to come and pray for you and God would be delighted to change you hallelujah God bless you and turn this over to pastor here praise God
1: what an awesome message What an awesome word. Amen. I'm not going to try and add to it other than we are going to pray. And even wherever you are right now, God looks at our heart. We're closing this service, but I always say we're not closing God's presence. I want to be delighted in him and I want him to be delighted in me. And when we do that, honestly, when we come before him, with a sacrificial heart that's when god can change us hallelujah we're gonna pray as we're praying for these at the altar wherever you are open your mouth today seek to touch the throne of god father we just thank you hallelujah lord even right now lord god for everyone in this sanctuary lord as your word has gone forth lord this word was for us today lord god Lord, I take this word for myself, Lord Jesus. Help me to look for Leah, Lord God. Oh, Lord, to desire the things that I need, Lord God. Not that I want, Lord God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you do a work in our lives. Hallelujah. Lord, that you gave us this word. You spoke to us today. Help us, Lord God, to find a place to seek you lord god to draw near to you lord jesus hallelujah we need you today father lord we are in perilous times lord we ask you oh god to let your word find good soil speak to our hearts right now jesus lord god help us to be repentant to humble ourselves to be tender eyed before you lord god That you can bless us, that you can open a barren womb, that you can multiply us, that you can pour out of your spirit into our hearts, into our lives. Oh, God, we come to you right now, Lord Jesus. Direct our path. Lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Uphold us, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lead us. Hallelujah. Church, I'm just going to let you pray. I'm going to pray right here. But you open your mouth right now and you lift up your voice and cry aloud. Hallelujah.